an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In my latest episode, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Crystal Love, soon to be Crystal Sykes, the female ketogenic athlete. Crystal has been keto for over two and a half years now, and she started keto for her digestive issues, which we'll discuss further in the interview. As she started to improve her overall health, uh, she began weightlifting, which led to recently competing in her first ever figure bodybuilding competition, winning first place using only the ketogenic diet. Her biggest passion in life is helping others live their best life. She believes by coaching and assisting other people using the ketogenic diet and fitness is the number one way to be able to do that. In this interview, we discuss how the ketogenic diet has helped reverse some of her digestive issues that she's been managing, how her approach to fitness has changed over the past three years, what it's like to train for a bodybuilding competition, and some of the common mistakes she sees people making before they come to her for coaching. Uh, Crystal is one tough cookie, so I wanted to dig into some of the time management skills she's built up that relate to being able to so successfully not only be in online business, fitness and coaching, but branching out into physical products as well. Crystal is such a wonderful, glowing person to interview, so make sure you stick around to the end where she gives some fantastic tips on training and nutrition if you're looking to progress towards your own competition. So please welcome Crystal Love. Crystal, how are you doing today? I'm doing so well. How about you? I'm really, really good. It's, uh, you know, towards the earlier time of the morning here in Australia, and uh, I'm not sure what time it is for you, but we're, we're in a little bit of a cooler climate at the moment. So I'm sitting here wearing a jumper in front of the computer, uh, in front of this microphone, and I'm super, super excited to be interviewing you because I, I just have so many questions and, uh, you know, it's a real honor today. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I feel honored to be on here. Super exciting. <laughs> um, okay, so I like to open these podcasts with a little bit of a, I guess it's an icebreaker. I don't really know how to explain it anymore. It's just a story that we start the podcast out with that, you know, something that people may not know. And um, and so if you wouldn't mind talking about a time in your life where you did the opposite of what people were telling you to do and how that um, panned out for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's just take it back to just yesterday, um, I went to um, a doctor and I had an endoscopy done and I had had an endoscopy done, gosh, 
two, almost three years ago, and I had some like erosion and some discoloration um, on my esophagus and my stomach um, from having gastroparesis um, and just having some GI issues. So they put me on some medication. They put me on a very high sugary um, liquid diet and told me that that's how I was going to have to live for the rest of my life. <laughs> and um, so I pretty much said, nope, I'm not taking your medicine. I'm not doing the sugar diet. I don't want diabetes. So I started keto. And then yesterday I had my my next appointment and the discoloration was gone. The erosion was gone. Um, my esophagus looks beautiful and my stomach as well. That's so awesome to hear. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it must be um, not terrifying, but, you know, I think there's always a little bit of doubt and there's always a little bit of self-doubt when you go ahead and you do something that you know is right, but it's not exactly um, what they've told you to do. And, you know, like a, a high sugar diet, you probably would have, you know, just easily gone, no thanks. <laughs> but was there any was there any reason why you, um, you took the ketogenic approach to that as opposed to maybe what people would think is a normal healthy diet of just like, you know, eating lots of bread and pasta and all those types of things. Yeah. So I was eating a regular, like a standard American diet. And then I had all these um, issues with my stomach and everything. Um, and because of the gastroparesis, that's pretty much just a paralysis of your stomach. And I also have it in my intestines. So things don't move through very easily. Um, your muscles just aren't stimulated to move. So pretty much I was told to eat a liquid or pureed diet. Um, so I slowly actually eased my way into keto using like avocados in a shake and some protein powders and some MCT oil. And I was actually able to like very easily transition over to doing keto um, with liquid. And then I slowly started incorporating food and I found that I was actually able to eat on keto. So um, I think it had to do with a lot of um, like the it being so anti-inflammatory, but as well as um, the food is more dense and not so much volume. So where I, it, it wouldn't actually hurt. So um, actually, Robert um, is the one that introduced me to keto. Um, he had been doing it and I kind of refused. So slowly but surely he convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if only I could get my partner to do the same thing. Um, but, uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you or what you're about or what you're currently doing, um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, what you do and, uh, you know, what a regular day might look like for you? Absolutely. Well, I am a keto coach. Um, I also am a female figure um, bodybuilder. And uh, gosh, we have a product called the Keto Brick. So we also run that. Um, and the, the coaching that I do is actually off of a Deeper State Keto, which is something that um, Keto Connect and Robert Sykes, uh, Keto Savage, have put together. So I am the coach on their page. Um, a typical day, gosh, well, we wake up and we have our live. We do a live on Instagram every morning at 6 a.m. Um, Central Standard Time. And then we go to the gym for a few hours and we come back. We'll, 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 we will work on uh, our clients and emails and just trying to catch up on our DMs on Instagram. 
Um, and then we'll do a little bit of like keto brick talk, just talking about how we can expand and do better and offer people more. There's been a lot of that talk lately since we are really trying to up that, um, that the product line and, um, gosh, what else? Uh, I do a lot of meal prepping. I do a lot of Robert's meal prepping and, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of boring our day to day. Someday, sometimes we spend, um, you know, 12 hours in the kitchen, just making the keto bricks and, um, other days we're just sitting at the computer all day long. We spend a lot of time at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, co- coffee is always the uh, fuel behind many, uh, very, um, important people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, that, that's so awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so great to be able to do exactly what you love Absolutely. doing, you know, and I'm sure there's so many people out there who go and work for someone else uh, and, you know, make their dreams possible. But, you know, uh, I, I really believe that, you know, you, you get a real sense of fulfillment from going ahead and making your own products and making your own empires and whatever it is that, uh, you know, it really g- it gives you some, um, some really great life experience in everything. So, yeah, I mean, it, for, for anyone who is, uh, you know, going to a day job and, they have a, a, a regular career, then they may not necessarily be interested in something like this. But, uh, you know, what, what, was, what was your interest in going out and doing your own thing? And, and you know, what, what got you started on the ketogenic diet? Aside from the, the, the GI issues you were having, was there any particular um, point where you said, okay, I think I'm going to do the ketogenic diet now uh, and, and, and what that looked like? Yeah. So with switching over to the diet, it there was a, a big transition. It was mostly because of my health. That was the main reason I switched over. Um, but actually, most people don't know this about me, I feel. Um, I've only been lifting, like weightlifting, for about three years. So I started keto about three months after I had started lifting. So all the muscle and everything that I put on is from the keto diet. Um, which is really, really cool because a lot of people say the opposite. You can't gain muscle on keto and blah, blah, blah. So um, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty much I was seeing results from that. Um, I had probably like the first nine months I had fallen off and started eating carbs again, then went back on. And I had, you know, that whole fluctuation that some people do. I did that. And, um, so finally I just said, you know what, I really feel crummy when I eat carbs and it just doesn't make sense. I feel so much better. I have more energy. I don't take naps anymore. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I felt like I, it was something I needed to overcome. So I said, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to go back since that day. I have not had carbs. I've, and it's been over a year and a half now. So, um, that's super, super cool. Um, as far as, um, you know, business and, and wanting to do my own thing, honestly, that stemmed from Robert. Um, he had a passion for business and I've always had a passion for people. And of course he does as well. But, um, I said, I really wanted to do something that like I could make a difference in someone's life. Um, so I actually went to do personal training school and, um, and I had a past, history of going to school for medical assisting. So I had like the nutrition there and the personal training brought it all into one and said, okay, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do this. And, um, 
And I actually was doing nutrition for carb diets and keto and doing personal training as well. Um, and then actually last year at KetoCon said, there's no way I can give anybody else a carb-based diet. I'm over it. Keto only. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just kind of taken off. In the last couple of years, we've been able to really just knuckle down and put our heads in there and just say, this isn't our side hustle anymore. This isn't just a, a passion on the side. This is what we want to do forever. And this is this is a part of who we are. And the passion for people is what keeps us going. Was, was there any... Um... I guess fear jumping into that head first because I know when I jumped into doing what I do now, um, there was, you know, right up until the actual moment where you say, uh, yes, there's, there's, there's so many things we, not necessarily that are halting your progress, but are like, you know, um, just invisible fears. And, and how did you get over those? those little hurdles on the way to, you know, just saying 100%, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to start, you know, really committing to this as a, as a full-time project. Yeah. I had a lot of um, like side jobs. I had been a barista forever. I was a nanny and I was doing this kind of stuff on the side because I was still trying to make money and keep a regular schedule. And finally I just said, I'm so unhappy doing what I do and I don't have the energy to do everything that I had to sacrifice maybe having that steady, um, reliable income to just jump in and and do what I do. Um, And it took a lot of time. And there was times where I thought, oh my gosh, I have to go back out and get a job. I have to go back out and, you know, do this or that. But um I somehow was able to just really knuckle in. And I think when you're like on the verge of like, am I going to pay this bill or am I not? Or um, where is my passion at? I think some adrenaline kicks in and you just do. You just do what you have to do. You stay up all night. You um, bend yourself over backwards to make people happy and to just be there and um, really show people who you are and, and your honest self. And, um, I think that was a lot of what got me there. I kind of just, I had to quit everything else, jump in head first and just hope that it all went well. And luckily for me, it, it did go really, really well. Um, I think maybe I had God on my side. I, I don't know. It just, it was like every problem I had got fixed. And, and I know it was a lot of hard work and a lot of determination, and I had Robert by my side, which was super, super helpful. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's probably it is just a lot of hard work, a lot of staying up all night and, and just grinding. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know exactly how that feels. And and I think one of the, the key takeaways from what you were saying there was honesty. And, um, and so many people struggle to have an honest relationship with the, on, the people that they're working with and also, uh, you know, people they uh, are following them on social media or, or whatnot. And um, and I know that you guys do a live Instagram um, feed or chat mm-hmm. every morning. And uh, and so h- how does how does the honesty – oh, like, okay, this sounds strange, but how did you build your honesty and how did you um, – I guess get to the point where you were you were happy with sharing exactly what you were doing and um and you weren't afraid to I don't know 
um, be be behind a brand or something like that? When when was it like okay? I'm Crystal. I'm here to stay. When was there a tipping point for that, or was there anything that was? <laughs> uh, it was. Did it sort of just happen? But yeah, it kind of just happened. I feel. Um, there, I mean, Robert had been. He had been documenting stuff on YouTube, and I was the person behind the camera filming everything that he was doing, and um, that was really fun. And I was. I had a perfectly good time just letting him do his thing and supporting him in that, and not being the face of anything. Um, but then as time went on, I just realized that social media is how we reach people now. Social media is such a huge thing in this day and age. And if I wanted to help people, if I wanted to put myself out there, um, to be used in a positive light, the only way to do it now I feel is social media. And that sound, it could sound awful to some people, but so many people spend all day on their computer, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. If you want to influence, you almost have to be on there. Um, and I think honesty has always been mm. something that I've had. Maybe not when I was little. I used to be a little bit of a liar. <laughs> but but, um, but uh, yeah, I think just being an honest, true person is something that I've always aspired to be. Um, and... I don't know. It just, to me, it doesn't make sense to put yourself out there in a different light than you actually are because people will find you out and people will, they will, they will see right through you if you are not showing your true person. I mean, we do our lives at six o'clock every morning and sometimes I wake up five minutes right before we do the live and I'm like, my hair's a mess. I'm wearing a <laughs> raggedy old t-shirt um, but I don't care because I'm just as real as the other people, uh, as the people on the other side. Um, and I want everyone to realize that. And um, I try to put my struggles out there as well as my successes because I want people to realize that I am a normal person. Sometimes it just takes a little extra push and you can, you know, you can accomplish this or that. Um, so, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's so interesting, you know, because uh I guess that that honesty comes across in in so many different ways. Uh, you know, sh sharing your highlight reel as opposed uh, as well as um, some of the failures that you're getting over, which actually make you stronger anyway. So, uh, you know that, that that's so important for people to hear. And uh, and so you're not only part of the uh, ketogenic community, and uh, you're not only creating physical products and coaching, but you're also um, you know, right into fitness and bodybuilding and uh, going to the gym. And so, how does how does your approach to fitness, um, you know, what does it look like now, and how has it changed over the past three years that you have been, you know, when you when you made the switch to the to the ketogenic diet? How has that changed for you over the past, and what does it look like now? Absolutely. So. As a young kid in high school and stuff, I always did sports. Um, and then I graduated, kind of fell off the wagon, let myself go a little bit. Um, and I really just didn't take care of myself. And then as soon as I had those health issues, I realized like I have to do something about this. So that's when I started lifting. And I actually immediately hired a coach to um, put me through a competition prep. And I was not ready. And they thought they could just make money off of me. And um, and so partway through the prep, I just realized like I mentally wasn't okay with food and 
Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing in the gym. I was taking these workouts and looking everything up on YouTube and lifting, you know, two and a half dumbbell, two and a half pound dumbbells because I couldn't lift anything else. You know, I, I had no muscle. Um, therefore I could not do a show. And, uh, so going forward for the last few years, my, my goal was just lift heavy, go hard. Um, it took me probably maybe a month and a half to like get in the gym and really love it every single day. It took me forcing myself to go to actually turn out to loving it. And now it's like my sanctuary, the place that I go when I need to relax or detox from the world. And so years went on and I thought, okay, the stage is not for me. I don't want to wear a a bikini. I don't want to wear heels. I don't want to dress up and do the tan and everything. I'm going to go for powerlifting. So I tried to do that for a while. And um, some of my structural body stuff wasn't going to work for doing that um, as a fitness endeavor. So I said, okay, I can't do that. Heck, I'm going to go back to doing a show. And um, I recently just uh, just finished my first competition back in April. Um, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. Um, the prep I did was 22 weeks, which is a pretty long time for an average prep. Um, we took a little bit longer just because I had never cut down to that low of body fat before, we wanted to make sure I was doing it a healthy way, that I was going to maintain a good, healthy relationship with food. And, um, and yeah, it's a lot of work. It's, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, but I did it and I did it fully using the ketogenic diet, which is not super common in the bodybuilding community these days. Um, So we're trying to introduce that into this community a lot more just because it's such um, a more healthy way of going about doing a competition prep. Um, I've I've drastically changed in the last few years from forcing myself to go to the gym to now like loving it and it being my my sacred ground. That's um, that's really awesome to hear, you know, because. A lot of people may not uh, break through that that struggle of going to the gym and uh, getting to that point where you actually feel like you're at home, or at least you feel comfortable. Uh, because the, mm-hmm. you know that I'm sure there's so many people out there who have been going to the gym for a long time and they still don't feel comfortable. Um, you know what mm-hmm. what what advice would you give to someone if they? I guess like what did you learn from? going to the gym every day and what are the things that you love about being there that, you know, someone else can apply to their own, you know, their, their own activities or, or what is it that you learnt about doing something every single day that made you love the process as opposed to the results? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a few of the things I learned about how to get around things was when I first started lifting I got a 24-hour gym membership so that I could specifically set my alarm for midnight so that I could go in the middle of the night when nobody else was there. I was that girl who didn't want anybody to see her at the gym and I, because I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. Um, as time progressed, I started going like earlier in the morning and Honestly, I started talking to just a few of the people that were there. Um, they, you know, a lot of times if you go 
at the same time for like a week straight, there's going to be some little old man that walks up to you and says, I've never seen you here before, but I've seen you all week. What's your name? And you start talking to that person. They will introduce you to other people. And there is nothing to be intimidated about the gym or the people that are there because each individual person should be there to better themselves rather than judging what you're doing. Um, And one of the biggest things I've learned was that even the biggest, baddest guy in there will absolutely help you. Maybe not during his lift, but he will <laughs> he will take a moment to help you if you have a question or a concern or um, just simply don't know how to use something. Um, it, it really is, once you're in the gym, it's like a family. Um, another thing I really, really love, and this is partly why it's like my little sanctuary is, I feel like I can just put my headphones in, listen to whatever I want, whether it's a podcast or I'm listening to rap or country music or, you know, whatever it may be. um, I'm able to zone into that and check out of everything else in the world that's stressing me out or um, overwhelming me or, um, you know, think about the goals that you're trying to achieve. Um, And it's not always about the physical. I started going to the gym for my health. And then it turned into something where I said, you know what, I'm actually getting somewhere with this. And and I want to do a show because I've put in a lot of hard work and dedication. And and now it's time to show it. And um, uh, that's just a benefit of going. It's it's the health part. And then and then a benefit is the part where you you feel a little bit better about yourself. You may look better or um, feel stronger. Yeah, it's uh, it's it. I, I feel like um, that that comes up a lot when uh, when I speak to other athletes where that whilst they're training, they're in the zone. They're mm-hmm. and I, I I feel like it's almost um, assimilated to something like meditation, where you can have all this crazy chaos and stress and everything else around you, but when you go and actually do the one thing that you're really good at, um, or you know it, it just one thing in particular. It, it, you can really can zone everything out and and cancel everything out and uh, and so you, you you don't also um i mean sorry you're not just about the fitness side you're you're also about the uh, nutrition side as well you know from what we've been talking about what did you learn about yourself nutrition wise um whilst training uh for the the competition that you were talking about before and was there anything different to what you were doing prior to that? Uh, I know you guys have a lot of um, uh, knowledge in the fat-to-protein ratios. And uh, was, was there a particular aspect that really amazed you when training for that competition about yourself? Yeah. So, well, first of all, it took me about nine weeks in the beginning of my, my prep to see any results on the scale. Um, I did see results in my measurements and in my pictures, but but the scale did not move for nine weeks, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, and then as I started to kind of taper down my calories and um, and manipulate my macros, we we lowered my carbs down um, to ten total grams of carbs, and um, my body really liked that. It's very anti-inflammatory, doesn't really allow you for bloating, that kind of thing, and, and takes away from the distraction of figuring out what, how your body does on certain amounts of protein and certain amounts of fat. Um, 
And so a lot of what we did was we tapered down both fat and protein, but the majority of what we tapered down was protein. Um, if anybody's in the bodybuilding community or, um, I guess it life in general, everyone says protein, 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 you need your protein. So for us to really knock down the protein and keep the fat high was very, very different. Um, Robert, uh, was my coach. So I had watched him go through his prep. So I kind of knew a little bit of what to expect, but, um, we kept lowering my protein and I finally, for the last, um, when I was six weeks out, I was at 35 grams of protein. And then when I was three weeks out, we lowered me to 30 grams of protein. So I ended my prep with 30 grams of protein, um, didn't lose any muscle, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and I kept most of my strength up until like the last, I say, three weeks of my prep, which is extremely good because a lot of people lose a little bit of muscle and a little bit of strength. And um, it typically happens a little bit early on. But keeping that fat high was um, totally a key for me because it kept me feeling full. Um, and I really didn't feel like I was dragging anything like that. Um, I actually, I feel like it helped, um, keep my ketone production up pretty high, um, which allowed me to, to still have that energy to, you know, increase my cardio each week and, um, make my workouts just the same as it it was before when I had more calories and more protein. But yeah, that was absolutely shocking to lower my protein that low and, not ever lose any muscle and hardly lose any strength. Um, which is, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, that is amazing. And, um, uh, you know, from, uh, I'm from an endurance uh, perspective. And so, uh, there's always a stigma where you have to carb load and you, you have mm-hmm. to have uh, topped up glycogen levels and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, when you go low, uh, low carb, high fat, there's a lot of resistance and people think that, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what the finish line, but was there any resistance for you in particular with the protein? Because I know that, uh, I don't, uh, like I'm not too much in the world of, of bodybuilding, but I'm sure, uh, protein is uh, probably the same as carb loading in the endurance world. Was there any backlash or any, uh, you know, um, misconceptions about what you were doing from from other people outside of just you and Robert? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people are, are uh, especially on keto, are very much for the higher protein and um, it, they couldn't really say anything because I was – I was making moves. I I was getting leaner and, um, I felt really good. So there wasn't really a whole lot anybody could say. And I really wasn't very open during my prep, um, about how low my protein was getting because I didn't want women to think that they could also lower their protein to 30 grams and then lose body fat because we did it very strategically. And I really didn't want anybody hurting themselves by, you know, lowering that or, um, just knocking down their calories. Um, something that is very interesting is on, uh, when, when you're right there at your competition, there is uh, a refeed that you do the night before the show. And the refeed is pretty much is to help you, um, fill out your muscles. It's an increase in calories. And a lot of times it's a carb refeed. Um, even people who do keto typically do a carb refeed the night before a show. 
Um, it helps your muscles fill out to make them look larger. Um, it also allows you to be more, a little bit more vascular. Um, and that is something I did not do. I actually fat loaded the night before instead of carb loading. So I made a fathead pizza and we upped my salt a lot. And I, I mean, I can't say anything better about how I felt after eating that and then waking up the next morning feeling super lean, um, feeling super vascular. And one thing that com um, competitors do is they decrease their water the last week of their competition and the day of their competition. They're taking tiny little sips here and there. And here I am, I'm chugging water. I have, I had like a liter of water before I even stepped on stage, which is pretty much unheard of. People think, oh, it's going to bloat you. It's going to, um, you know, it's going to wash out all of your muscle, which if you're eating carbs then yes, it will. But that's why the approach of using keto is so much better because you're, you don't dehydrate your body and you aren't putting sugar into your body. And right before people step on stage, they'll be eating gummy worms and, and other sugary things in alcohol to bring out their vascularity. And I'm back there eating fat bombs. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very, very different. Um, and people backstage were very interested in what I was doing because I mean, I sounds very odd of me to say, but I feel like they, they were impressed that I had, done that. And I was eating fat bombs and, um, I left this stage winning and, and I did all that with keto, you know, it was just very, very off. Mm. And, and yeah, that's, that's so awesome to hear, you know, and, um, especially with a result like that, how do, how do results, um, and leading by example, um, you know, how does that help for you when you're trying to, uh, coach for deeper state keto because uh you know deeper state keto is is something that keto connect and and you guys put together and um and so you're you're the 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 head coach for mm -hmm. deeper state keto do, do people come to you uh with with something in mind and and they look at your results and uh you know like i think if there was someone who was out there telling people what to do and they hadn't done it themselves, um, you know, going back to what we were saying about honesty before, I feel like it may be a little bit um, less transparent than, than, than what you guys are doing, which is fantastic. Uh, and so how do you think those, those results that you got from your competition have, have flowed into something like coaching now where you can actually tell people, um, how, how things effectively worked for you and how it might work for them as well. Absolutely. It's, it has made a world of difference that I did that prep and I was able to see firsthand exactly what it's like. Cause a lot of people will look at, um, an athlete and say, well, you look like that. You didn't have to lose the weight. You didn't, you don't have mm. to, you know, accomplish this goal that I had to, and I was able to say, yes, I, I have done it. And, and it is hard, but, you know, your outcome will happen by hard work and de dedication. Um, and it, it actually taught me a lot because my body went through so much like fluctuation. Again, I said I didn't really I didn't see the scale move for, you know, the first couple of months, like two months. Um, and that's huge, especially for a lot of women. And I'm able to tell them like, hey you know, I had to go through the same thing. It's just very, very 
natural. It, it just happens and we have hormones and things that, that mess with us. Um, and through that whole process, I mean, we had a ton of stuff going on that it was probably the worst time ever to do a prep. But I, <laughs> but I'm glad that I had so much stuff happening because people, it sounds awful, but people can't use that as an excuse now. You know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. like if you have this goal, you can accomplish it. You just have to knuckle down and, and do it. And um, there are no excuses. But what I learned about how I feel as my my protein got lower and how I um, how I went about um, not feeling as hungry or um, just having those cravings that we all get from time to time, being able to push through that, having that as an example, and then the fact that I documented it was awesome because now I can send people that direction and not to watch my YouTube video, but to... <laughs> really, you know, you know, but to seriously get an idea of how, like, of watching someone else go through it, and it's been super helpful because I've honestly had a lot of people that do DSK reach out to me and say, "Hey, I'm rewatching your entire prep, and I'm going through it week to week as I'm going through DSK because, you know, you are living everything that I'm having. You've already lived what I, everything I'm going through, which." It's awesome to me and it makes me just want to document that much more. You know, it's it's really an awesome experience to watch someone else um, be able to use something that you went through um, to encourage themselves, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I totally I totally agree with all of that because you know um, I, I've I've been doing a, a similar thing with the endurance running that I'm doing towards the marathon, and you you don't know what you don't know until you get to the end, and mm-hmm. by then you don't really understand the problems that you're having in the first week, and so those those troubles uh, and, and you know those little hurdles um, end up just being experience that you get towards the end, and so um, you know. Uh, experience aside, what are some of the common mistakes that you see people coming into DSK? Uh, what are, what are some of the mistakes that uh, you see that they are doing to themselves that halt their progress? And and maybe it's not that they're doing it to themselves um, cognitively, but it's just something that you see uh, that they're doing that they may not necessarily be aware of, and that is something that can really help them push further. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest things or mistakes that I see people do a lot, and I really think that this is not just a personal error. I think that this is something that we've put out as a society saying that 1,200 calories is acceptable. Um, And for some people it is, but there's there's a lot of people who start extremely low calorie. and, And through that, it's been years or months of them just really messing with their metabolism. Um, So we have an onboarding phase where you are to raise your calories so that we have something to taper from. If you're starting at 1200 calories, you have nothing to take away from. Your body is already wanting more that you have to increase those calories. And nobody wants to hear that when they sign up to lose weight um, or to lose body fat, I should say they don't want to be told to increase their calories. So a lot of people will go ahead and skip that phase and then will still start to decrease. Um, and that is a very, very, very large mistake. Um, or they won't um, they won't actually uh, increase to the amount that maybe they should. 
Um, and I think that that really ends up harming them in the long run. And we are, we, we made this, um, so that people can do this in a healthy manner and for their body specifically. Um, part of the process is finding where your protein threshold lies. And, and that really is, um, how you feel. And when your protein gets too high, are you feeling lethargic? Are you feeling, um, bloated? Are you, you know, just, just different, there's different uh, symptoms of your protein getting a little bit too high for where you're wanting to be. So we, we increase the protein mm-hmm. and a lot of people won't do that again, not giving themselves a big enough runway to take away from, um, because they simply just want to decrease so that they can lose the weight. Um, but you're not going to do that successfully unless you set yourself up for success. Um, see another thing that's really really big that I am so surprised that people don't do is um, electrolytes you are going to feel so much better if you supplement your electrolytes and do it properly as well as water um a lot of people don't want to hold on to water weight so they actually hold off on drinking water which is the exact opposite of what you should do the more water you drink the more you're going to flush everything out and um, really actually retain less water. Your, your body retains more water when you give it less because it, it wants to hold on to everything because you're depriving it of that. Um, so I'd say that those are probably the, the largest mistakes or, um, things that people don't even realize that they're doing, you know, wrong or, or incorrectly, or I don't know the the right way to say that, (laughs) But, uh, it's not counterproductive to increase your calories if you're wanting to lose fat because uh, I guess it takes you out of a stressful situation, which you may already be in, um, and stress mm-hmm. is a huge factor in, in terms of, of weight loss. Um, you know, and, and being so self-reflective on all of those aspects is, is, is key you know, because um, you know, my partner, one thing she is very, 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 very good at and much better than I am is being able to tell when certain foods uh, cause certain problems or when a particular whatever it is uh, causes problems and that's entirely being self-reflective and listening to um, what your body's doing and and how certain different types of food uh, impact that and and yeah as you said uh, the electrolytes um, it's it's amazing you know because uh, holding on to a, a, something that you are restricting your body's always going to from 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 my experience you know if you're restricting your calories then your body's going to try and hold on to it as much as possible and i guess it's the same with water and electrolytes mm-hmm. if you're feeding it a lot less water or a lot less salt or a lot less magnesium or potassium or um sodium it's just going to hold on to it and and uh yeah so that those are really really important takeaways um for, for anyone out there who is wanting to get further into that, um, the, the deeper state keto will be in the show notes. Um, so if you're looking to sign up and maybe learn a little bit more about those, uh, you know, the protein ratio or, or even how much protein to actually ramp up or ramp down from, uh, you know, that that's, that's really important information to know. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I, I, I also wanted to talk about uh, the keto brick. Now, you guys are, and and I'm sure that there have been so many nights where you've put so much effort into creating these products uh, by hand, and then uh, going out and 
shipping them to everyone. And how is a physical product and creating a physical product like that influenced how you do other business? So, you know, coaching ends up being either in person or on Skype or, or whatnot. Um, but how, how is a physical product like the Keto Brick really influenced how you do something that's ma- majoritively online? Yeah, it's um, it's actually been an amazing experience for both Robert and I. Um, we neither one of us really intended on having a physical product that we um, had to make or produce or send out. Um, that was never our intent. But as the keto brick just happened, it um, it's been uh, such a learning experience, and it's it's been really really awesome. Um, We've had to go through a lot, um, just even getting the kitchen and um, finding the extra hands to help us to make them. And it's it's been, oh gosh, I can't say enough. It's been absolutely amazing. And the response that we got back from everyone as soon as we did our first launch was unbelievable. And um, it's, it's very different. It's very demanding um, of your time. Uh, and we like to, we try and treat um, our people, all of the people, you know, out there on our Instagram, YouTube, um, emails, all that, we try to treat them very well. We, we love every single one of them, like truly from the bottom of our hearts, like we would not be where we are at, um, without them. So, um, we like to have them made. Um, and then the day they order them, we will ship them out like the, within 24 hours. That's that's kind of our our little go to. So it is a lot of work and it's a lot of staying up all night and um, just making it happen, which has taught us so much. Um, but but we're we're super grateful for it. And it is very different. I, I've always been a physical labor person, um, you know, whether it was being a nanny and being very active or, you know, being a barista, making coffees all day long. I am very much so all up for that. So that's kind of more my niche than it is um, Robert's. He's much more the business side of things. <laughs> um, so I have a blast with it. It's It's been totally different from coaching and it really is, it really allows us to break up the week and um, reach out to different people. So it's been really, really cool. Yeah, and and from what I've heard, they sell out pretty quickly. Uh, so you know the the demand is there, and it must be so hard to uh, not want to stay there for forty six or seventy two hours and try and triple or you know like that that there's there's certain limitations with physical products that, and I'm sure you've probably had uh, a, a fair share of, of of nasty emails come back saying when are they <laughs> when are they coming back in stock, and um, you know uh, like. That that happens, you know, and you're you're not a huge multi-faceted company, and and so these people need to understand that uh, there is limitations, and and there will be more to come. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sure you have to deal with uh, with more people that love your product than than uh, people who want to get it. So if if you're looking to get one of those, the uh, I'm sure we'll be able to put a link in the show notes here somewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, I also wanted to talk about time management. So you guys have a lot of things going on and, uh, you know, you in particular, you're doing this coaching and then, uh, you, you know, you're doing the competition or you were doing the competition. How do you manage your time um, and 
and stress and and I guess stress that you know you've put on yourself from a workout and stress that is just part of running a business uh, nutrition and precision like how do you juggle all of those things do you do it by you know sorting out meals for the week by meal prepping and uh, doing those types of things are there any like little hacks that people can do that ultimately will make their time more effective and be able to enjoy more of life absolutely um, I, I am not perfect at time management, but I do feel like over the last, you know, couple of years, I've kind of made it better and easier on myself for sure. And uh, one thing that is really huge that you kind of mentioned was meal prepping. Um, especially when I was in my prep, I literally spent just a few hours and I think I got it down to like two hours and I meal prepped every single meal for that whole week for, so for seven days straight. And some people say they don't like leftovers, but um, it is the best way of doing things, honestly. Um, Having those meals ready, you don't have to take them out. Every single time you want food, you don't have to think about what you're going to do and try and figure out your macros. And if I did not meal prep, I would spend probably an hour or two every day trying to figure out what was going to perfectly fit my macros taking everything out of the fridge, making it, putting everything back, doing the dishes. When I can just spend one day doing two hours in that one day and meal prepping, that that really does save a ton of time. Um, another thing is putting the most important things first is, which sounds funny because we first get on our live in the morning. Um, so we want to reach out to our people because we love you guys. And, um, and then secondly, we go to the gym. And we get our workout in because that's super important to us. And that is a really awesome way of starting our day. It's our meditation, kind of like you said earlier. And then next, we work on clients. I work on my clients. Um, Robert will upload a YouTube video or a podcast, getting content out there um, for everyone who is interested. And um, it it really is just like making things a priority. Um, Something I, I wasn't doing for a long time was taking time out for myself or um, for for friends because that's a that's the first thing you're going to remove is doing things for yourself um, and then also spending time with with other people because it's super easy to just not schedule something um, and I actually made it a priority um, during my prep to schedule something with a friend at least once a week something that was scheduled that I could not back out of and something that I would enjoy. And then also time for myself. Um, I will spend an extra, you know, 20 minutes just to sit in the sauna or um, go get my nails done or, you know, walk my dog, uh, whatever it may be. But taking that time out for yourself is beyond important. Um, One thing that we are terrible at and we are not good at it at all, but I encourage everyone to, work on that and set aside time for sleep. Sleep is one of the easiest things to get and it is the easiest thing to take away from. Um, You know, I've said that we've done a lot of all-nighters just to kind of keep everything up and running and going smoothly. And and it really does take a toll. It takes a toll on um, our nutrition. It takes a toll on our our fitness training. Um, And it makes you more irritable throughout the day. So if I can suggest one thing that I'm really, really bad at, and I think that everyone should be good at, is getting enough sleep. Mm, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. I I I feel like um, you're exactly right by saying it's the first thing that you can take away from, and uh, you know, putting the I, I I guess when you're going to the gym that often, you do need a certain amount of sleep, and the the sleep you know effectively makes the next day uh, uh, build on each other. Um, and so when you say like putting the important things first, that's that's so vital. And um, and and I guess for for a lot of people, they may be struggling with sleep. They may be struggling with actually getting to sleep. They might be setting aside the time for that. Um, and you know, it it may not be happening for them. And do you do you think uh, the ketogenic diet has enabled you to have less sleep than uh, than otherwise on a high carbohydrate diet? And do you think that um, the ketogenic diet or, you know, whatever diet you're trying to go, go ahead with, um, do you think that affects your sleep in any way? Do you think that you are able to sleep better while you're, you are actually asleep? I do honestly believe that. And I, there is no study that I've done on myself for it, but I have had the experience. Um, when I was eating a carb-based diet, <clears throat> I was I'm sleeping, you know, eight or nine hours a night because that's what everyone said that you should do. Um, and then I would work a morning shift and then I would go home and take a hour nap and I'd wake up and then just a few hours later, I'd go to bed for the night. Um, and now I think our regular schedule is getting five hours of sleep every night and I don't take naps. Um, and I have tons of energy and I don't feel bad about it. I, I feel bad when I either don't sleep or only get an hour or two of sleep, but five hours, it might be a little bit low, but it really, it really seems to be enough. Um, I have enough energy for the gym and uh, my body seems to react really well in gaining muscle and, um, and just thinking, I, I feel like I think very clearly and I'm able to get all the work that I need to in a day. Um, whereas I'm not sure I would have before. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot of energy and I was much more lazy. Um, so I do think that that has absolutely taken effect. And I notice that in a lot of my clients that as they start the ketogenic diet for the first time, they are having a lack of sleep. And and that might actually take a toll on you in the beginning just because it is a transition. But um, I think um, eventually it, it starts to even out and Sometimes you just need to do things like, um, you know, step away from any screens for an hour or two before you go to bed or use um, those blue light glasses. Um, and then also, you know, just allowing yourself to be calm about an hour before you go to bed, um, you know, just lay there and meditate or um, stretch or something of that nature where you're removing yourself from the daily life and the daily struggles and stressors and really allowing yourself to get in the zone to be able to fall asleep. Um, there's also supplements like uh, magnesium that <clears throat> have helped a lot of people. Um, so yeah, but I do overall feel like keto has for sure helped my sleep in allowing me to get a little less sleep and be more pro productive during the day. Mm, yeah, it's it's so awesome to hear, you know, because I I sort of feel the same way. Even though I do sleep um, a fair bit anyway, uh, you know, just being physically active, I think 
it certainly takes its toll. But the ketogenic diet, if you need to get some work done, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I love to end the podcast with, uh, quick questions. And so these are, you know, sort of rapid fire ones, but some of them I like to dig a little bit deeper into because, uh, you know, some of the details might be nitty gritty, awesome stuff. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, so the first quick question is, uh, what is your favorite keto food? And actually what is one of your favorite meals to, I mean, this is a multifaceted question now, um, but what is your favorite meal to prep when you're doing those, uh, you know, those two hour meal preps? Mm, Yes. Okay. First of all, keto brick. (laughs) Um, I do actually, we, we actually eat them very, very often. Um, but, uh, my favorite meal to prep would probably be, I always really stuck to ground beef. Um, it was very easy to um, just cook up real quick. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess ground beef, um, like stir-fried mushrooms and eggs. That was like pretty much my go-to for a lot of my prep. <clears throat> and it's very, very easy, very quick. Um, also, eggs, you can hard boil a ton of them at the same time. So you don't even have to you know, cook or fry or whatever. Um, you just throw them all in a pot and they're good to go. Um, I think my favorite actual keto meal is, uh, um, honestly, I, I, I think it might just be steak. Oh, that's, that's such a common answer. You know, that's awesome. (laughs) I know. I really didn't want to say that. (laughs) No, it's a, it's common for a good reason because, uh, I mean, okay. So there's a few details we can nut into here. What type of steak and then how do you usually cook it? Okay, so I typically do not like super fatty meats because I just I have a hard time with it. But if you grill it just right, which Robert and his his dad know exactly how to do it, they put it on um, on the grill and just like char it, and it is so good. I have eventually, or I have somewhat gotten to where I can have a medium rare, where before it had to be fully cooked. So. I've made some progression with that, but I'd much rather have it on an outside grill for sure. Mm, Yeah. And uh, I guess it's uh, the the climate's a little bit warmer for you guys. So grilling outside is just the best thing. Um, I I used to work for a butcher and um, uh, he was an older guy and he would always just have his steak just off charcoal. You know, it was just <laughs> so well done that it came out. It was similar to charcoal. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're doing better than that, then anything is fine. Um, what is your favorite style of training or what is your favorite exercise? Ooh, my favorite exercise I would have to say is probably deadlifts. Um, I am very, very big into um, the compound movements and trying to get those um to be heavier because uh, I just, I've always had a heart for lifting heavy. So um, deadlifts and squats are probably my favorite. Um, I, I have a, a very back dominant body. I, so everything I do, I, I tend to take over with my back. So I think that's why I like deadlifts because that's my heaviest lift. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but yeah, mostly just, um, just, Lifting in general, anything with um, resistance, I I typically like to stick with um, cables and um, free weights rather than using um, things like bands and machines. 
Mm, yeah, it's. I guess it creates a lot of um, strength in the lateral movement as well. So those yeah. uh, those types of free weight exercises you, you know, are, are often less heavy but much better for you. Uh, yeah. And and so what what have you learned about uh, the deadlift since you started like three years ago? Have you really progressed not only in the weight but in the way you do it as well? Absolutely. So um, when I first started, I could hardly. I could hardly lift anything on deadlifts. I think I was, I don't even know what I was getting. It was really bad. Um, and I i used to have a, a much different foot stance. I would actually, I had a wider foot stance um, and I kept my hands very, very close together when I first started. And I think a lot of that had to do with me not really knowing what I was doing. Um, so through, you know, having other people help me and, um, you know, just really working on my form, I, I brought my feet a lot closer together um, to do like a conventional deadlift rather than a sumo. So um, that's where your feet are just a lot, a lot closer together about shoulder width. And then um, I, gosh, what else? I think I used to bend my back a lot more and even now. So I just, I just hit a PR the other day and watching back on the video, I can tell that my form was not correct. And yes, I still got the lift and I still got it. Um, but that's not something that I want or need to do each week or I will end up hurting myself. So really just watching your form, making sure your back's really straight. I can look back at videos from way before or three years ago and I wasn't bending my knees at all. And now I really bend with my knees and use a lot of my hips where before I was strictly just using my back. So there's so much to learn and there's a lot of progression that happens um, while you're lifting and just don't be afraid to ask people. That's, that's the biggest thing and um, prevent yourself from being injured. That's, that's huge. And I think anybody is willing to help you prevent an injury. Mm, totally. And, and even if it's uh, someone just holding your phone for the video, then uh, don't yeah. be afraid to ask them. <laughs> Um, absolutely what's your least favorite food do you have something that you're like I know you said you're not a big fan of the really really fatty cuts of meat but uh, what are some of the things that you may not like that other people may like especially on keto avocados I hate avocados yeah that's a common one for people too (laughs) it's uh it's crazy (laughs) like I mean uh, in, in theory they they're really not super low carb, um, but yeah, there's a lot of fiber, and uh, I guess mm-hmm. it, it may cause some issues. So yeah, that's that's totally understandable. Uh, what is your least favorite exercise? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, I really dislike. So I really like straight legged deadlifts, but I extremely dislike straight legged deadlifts with dumbbells. And the difference is I normally use a barbell. Um, I usually stand on a box and it allows me to touch my toes with my, with the the barbell. And, um, the dumbbells are very awkward. Um, they kind of just like hit back and forth on your legs. And, um, I don't know, I, I can't get as good of a stretch with them. And a lot of people really love them. I just, I really have a hard time with them. <laughs> Love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so who is your, uh, this may sound like a silly question, but who is your number one supporter? 
Robert. (laughs) (laughs) It really truly is. He's been there for me every step of the way, for sure. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And you and you both recently got engaged. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we did. On my competition day, we got engaged, which is so, so awesome. Oh, congratulations. That's so awesome. Um, who are you currently inspired by? Ooh, oh, gosh. Fitness is probably Cassandra Martin. She's absolutely beautiful and she is ripped she's got muscles galore and she she just really she does an awesome job um also this is very very common but dana lynn bailey because she's also beautiful and absolutely amazing athlete um so yeah absolutely i would absolutely go for either one of them any day all right i haven't heard of um either of them so i'm gonna have to check that out the last one said dana lynn bailey is that right Yep, Dana Lynn Bailey, um, and she actually has done bodybuilding, and she currently just competed in uh, powerlifting. So she's a beast. She's ah, all right. She's crossed yeah. over that uh, that threshold. Yes. Um, so, uh, do you have any books or videos that you've recently watched that have inspired you? Because uh, I, I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts, and and uh, I don't really get around to many books. But um, it, do you have a, a, a book or a video or an audio book or a podcast or something that you've been listening to that has recently just like inspired you so you can go out there and like hit the next day? Honestly, yes, I do. I have a really good one. Um, <clears throat> actually, one of my uh, one of the people that follows me on uh, Instagram suggested that I read um, 10% Happier. And yeah. it is by... Dan Harris, I believe. And, um, yep. it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, it's really, he does a really good job of talking about medica- um, meditation in, um, in it, the eyes of an, an average everyday person, really bringing it from a very basic knowledge of meditation into him actually doing it and actually, um, loving it and finding the different ways that you can use meditation. And I've really, really enjoyed that because it's something that I really need to work a little bit more on. Um, again, that's kind of my self time and I really would like to be able to just zone out and, um, it's a really good way to keep your mind positive and it's maybe not so like aggressive makes you want to just like go out and attack the day, but it really, allows you to kind of take a step back in life and, and realize that not every moment has to be urgent or, um, or crazy, but be able to, to remove yourself from any situation and just allow life to kind of happen. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a book mostly about meditation and I just, I really have really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, uh, I read that book a little while ago and I had the exact same feeling. And I think the best thing about that book is that, uh, you know, he's not saying it's a magic pill for something. He's he's yeah. saying that it's made him ten percent happier. You know, exactly as the title is, and um and you know, out, out of that, it becomes really approachable for a lot of people. And so, yeah, I'm so glad you said that book because it's uh, I love that book too. Uh, and he was previously a news reporter, or I think he still is a news reporter. And so, I can imagine that would have been so much stress in that job, and then for him to actually take the time out for himself, as you. I was saying before and actually um, do some of that stuff and actually realize that, oh, wait, 
um, you know, those little incremental changes make such a difference. And I'm sure that from prepping for uh, bodybuilding competitions to watching your nutrition and, you know, doing everything, uh, you know that those little increments matter. So, yeah, that's a great book. Um, now, uh, I used to be a musician uh, a, a little while ago. Uh, and um, and so I really like hearing what people are into music-wise. So I, I, I know you alluded a little bit to on uh, the rap and the countryside before. <laughs> is, there, is there something that, you know, just really gets your gears going or um, what music have you been listening to recently that you really, really love? Oh my. Um, I really enjoy, I really do enjoy country music. That's more my like free spirited. I'm just, you know, driving down the road or running to do groceries, something like that. I really, really enjoy that. Um, and that's something I've kind of listened to my whole life. Maybe not so much like the newer stuff that's out, but like the good, like George Strait, <laughs> um, kind of, you know, yeah. back in the days. So um, I really like to listen to country. And then, gosh, when I'm in the gym, I need something with a beat. And I really don't care what it is. So a lot of times I will listen to whatever is out currently. So there's, <laughs> it's so embarrassing, but there's a lot of like Cardi B and, um, you know, like Nicki Minaj, a lot of, a lot of the ones that just have a beat that really get you going. Um, I don't really listen to the words on those. I just, I just need something that's going to keep my my momentum up, and um, so yeah, that. <laughs> I've uh, I've actually been watching a few of Cardi B's uh, videos recently, and she is amazing. She like for 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 anyone to say uh, that popular music is is dumb in any way is is totally wrong. Um, popular music has its space, and it is it, it's so impressive to see something work so well. And look simple, but you know, behind the scenes, it's just incredibly complicated. And Nicki Minaj, especially, does that very well, along with Cardi B and you know a lot of those other artists. Um, but yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. That's really cool. And uh, the to end the to end the podcast, I really love asking a question that people. Uh, you know, either a recipe that they can go and make or um, a little bit of advice that they can take away from the podcast. And so I know that you have a lot of experience with uh, competing and, you know, prepping for a competition. Um, so what would you tell someone transitioning from a self-managed ketogenic diet and training into competing their first competition? Uh, what would you tell them and what wouldn't you tell them? So first, I would probably tell them to take it very, very slow. Um, a lot of people want to jump in and just dive, you know, head first. They want to ramp up the cardio and they want to drop all the calories really quickly. If you aren't hiring someone to be your coach, which I highly recommend, um, I would definitely take everything very, very slow. Um, increase things very slowly. You're going to put a lot of stress on your body and Prepare yourself for when it's going to get hard because it is going to get hard. And the the mental struggle of, um, you know, wanting to eat more food, but knowing that you can't or kind of forcing yourself to go do that extra cardio um, or get your workout in. Just prepare yourself. Write yourself little notes before you get to that point um, and, and just positive encouragement to yourself and reminding yourself why you chose to do the show in the first place. Um, and you you really do need a, a, a good reason rather than just, I want to get on stage and look pretty. You, you need a good reason and a solid foundation of mm -hmm. 
why you want this goal specifically. Um, gosh, something I wouldn't suggest. Oof. Oh, gosh. I would not suggest eating carbs. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Um, I guess that, that kind of goes with it is, you know, making sure that you're not trying to jump ahead. But, um, oh, gosh. Is there something maybe that, um, you know, you learned from experience and didn't necessarily get preached at along the way uh, is, you know, because I, I think for a, a lot of people, they they have so much information um, and they get information overload. Was there something where you were just, it was just something you had to do instead of being told what to do? Yes, I think I think a lot of it just comes down to the determination and and not listening to other people. Um, another thing that people don't ever really talk about, and they really, really need to talk about this more, is the after show. Um, after the show, you're able to go out and eat whatever you want. And you should get back on a, you know, a regimented diet of increasing your calories back slowly. Um, and a lot of people struggle, including myself, with binge eating afterwards, after a show, um, and really just getting hit hard um, mentally and emotionally uh, with gaining weight back because you do get so lean um, that do not <laughs> – do not do a binge. Do not allow yourself to eat whatever the night of the show. Um, pick out what you are going to eat, whether it be a 16-ounce steak or a giant brownie. Um, but pick out what you're going to eat and only <laughs> eat that item. Don't allow yourself to go out and eat whatever because you will have a hard time from that point forward not doing it again and again and again. And it really will affect you. Um, especially putting on the weight a lot more quickly, um, that body dysmorphia really kicks in. So also not only taking the prep slow, but after the competition, make sure to take that slow too and be kind to your body. Mm, yeah, that's such good advice. And uh, I think you alluded to it a little bit, but what was your uh, post-competition meal? Ooh, that was. <laughs> um, so my meal, we went to a Brazilian steakhouse and I got way too much meat. Um, <laughs> I think I kept my card green the whole time. Um, so, yeah, we had a bunch of, you know, steak and pork and chicken. There just is a ton of different kinds of um, meat. And then afterwards, we went back to the hotel and I did have a giant keto brownie. <laughs> well, it sounds delicious and I think it's very well earned. But yeah, again, like, you know, jumping back onto a, uh, in, a slowly increased uh, caloric intake is is the best from, from that point on. And, and uh, do you have any goals that you're setting for yourself in the future? Is there anything that you're working towards currently that people uh, may not necessarily know, but, um, you know, something that you're moving towards? Um yeah, so uh, Robert and I will both be doing a show in 2020. So we have two years to kind of uh, build as much muscle as we can before we start our, our next prep. And we will be doing that together, which is really, really exciting. Um, but I actually just hired um, Danny Vega, uh, Keto Counterculture on Instagram. Uh, but I just hired him to actually make me a new workout plan because I'm interested in kind of switching up my workout routine and 
Um, he has some some very different ideas, which is absolutely amazing. I just got my first um, routine um, today, actually. So I'm I'm really just trying to build as much muscle as possible um, before my next show and really refine those things that I thought maybe weren't as strong as they could have been. Um, so that's that's pretty much my goal right now. Um, I think just, you know, continuing with coaching and trying to, um, you know, put out the good word of keto and, and, and all of that. But fitness wise, it's definitely going to be a couple of years before I do my next thing. Um, and I, I'm actually very interested in trying to pick up some other um, fun things. Robert and I both would really like to do like, um, like a Spartan race or something. We've never done that before. Yeah, so, so oh, we might fun. we might jump yeah, in yeah. on one of those in the near future, but um, other than that, it'll be uh, two years before I do another show. So building muscle is our biggest goal now. Well, that's um, that's certainly a, a, a really really awesome goal to be able to do it together as well. So um, yeah, amazing stuff. So where where can people find you? Uh, where can people maybe sign up for something like um, DSK or or the coaching with you? And um, and where can people find the Keto Breaks? Absolutely. So uh, for a deeper state, you can go to deeperstateketo.com. Um, and then also there's a there's a coaching page through that website that is for my coaching. Um, where you can find me is I am either under female ketogenic athlete or crystal love fit, um, dot FKA, which stands for female ketogenic athlete. Um, and then for the keto brick, it actually has its own site, which is uh, ketobrick.com. And then also Robert really runs our YouTube, but it is keto savage on YouTube. Um, you can find a lot of videos on me and on Robert and different ideas that we, we both share. So that's another really good one to to find me on. Well, uh, yeah, the the YouTube videos are awesome. I've been watching all of them, and uh, so yeah. If, if anyone um, also, if you're on your phone right now, just pause this podcast, go and subscribe on YouTube or do whatever. Go and watch the video now. <laughs> Come back, listen to the last couple of seconds, and uh, and you know we've all done everyone uh, a, a, a great justice in the world. So again, Crystal. Thank you so much for being on the podcast because you know it's it's a real inspiration to see uh, not only your your story and your progress, but you know the things that you're working towards in the future and and hear some of the people who you're currently inspired by and some of the music. Like it's just really awesome to get to know someone. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, I just I just really wanted to say thank you and uh, and and thank you for your time and taking you know uh, an hour and fifteen minutes now out of your day to come and talk to us. So, so thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's truly an honor to uh, be on any podcast, but such a good, a good opportunity to get to know you better and, uh, and really expand my, my knowledge of other people in the industry as well. So I appreciate you and, and having me on here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm sure we'll talk very, very soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. 
head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.